Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, Tom Bevan, co-founder of RealClearPolitics.com, joins us, along with Democrat retired professor Philip Beverly, conservative Republican activist Stephanie Hitt, and in our second act, second hour at our second act, economist Mike Miller joins us from the island of Bahrain. He is an economist for DePaul University, and Eric Cohn from the Acton Institute uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, also joins us, who sat in for me for many months uh, recently. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at uh, the beautiful studios of AM560 WYND uh, in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Our phone line's open at one 800 723 8289 and we do have a we have a packed program for you this evening in the second hour we will be dealing with economics and we'll be dealing with the issues of of the bank failure in Silicon Valley uh, and things of that nature but in the first hour we're going to be talking about some foreign policy related and some big political news of Donald Trump has scooped everybody by announcing that he is expected to be arrested this coming Tuesday on charges in the state of New York. We'll talk about that and what impact it might have on his campaign and also the fact that he has suggested that there be public protest to protest uh, this act by the uh, district attorney in New York. But also we will be talking about uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida uh, who uh, last evening, I guess, uh, was making some comments about Ukraine and U.S. involvement with Ukraine. And he basically came out with a very isolationist position. And uh, we'll be talking about that and whether or not that issue of isolationism in the Republican Party becomes a dominant theme of the upcoming uh, primary. Joining us, uh, we have a Republican, we have a Democrat, Phil Beverly and Stephanie Hitt, as we always do. But also joining us, our special guest in our number one is Tom Bevan. He is the co-founder of RealClearPolitics.com. He is also their editor, and you see him frequently on Fox News and an old, old friend of this program. Uh, Tom, uh, congratulations on all your success. Welcome back to Beyond the Beltway. But let, let's put uh, let's go right to Ron DeSantis. He, he, did he step in it last night, or did he make a maybe a, a right move? Well, first of all, Bruce, it's it's great to be back, and congratulations to you on on uh, all the success that you continue to have with this program, which has been going for I don't know how long now, but it's great to be back with 40 you. plus. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, as to Ron DeSantis, I mean, we will see. I, I think he certainly made a a calculated decision here that he was going to, by the way that he worded that statement, saying Ukraine was not in our vital national interests. Um, you know, there was a lot of focus on the phrase territorial dispute. Um, but look, this is where the Republican Party is, by and large. You look at the polling. Um, this is where the rank and file of the of the party is now on the issue of Ukraine. It, America first is very much uh, the the mindset of most Republican voters. Mm-hmm. Now, it's certainly not the mindset of a lot of the Republicans in Washington, D.C., led by Mitch McConnell uh, and some other folks in the Senate. And certainly uh, a lot of those folks uh, really, you know, got after Ron DeSantis for the statement. We'll, we'll see um, where this ends up primary wise. But I think at, just as a, in, in a political analysis perspective, it was the right move for him. I mean, he would not be able to um, I don't think he would get very far running against Donald Trump if he came out uh, in favor of, of unlimited support 
you know, for Ukraine as long as it takes, as the Biden right. administration has been saying, and some Republicans have been echoing. I don't and think that's sent, a position, a winning position. And he sent that defining letter to Tucker Carlson, who's been a cheerleader for that position. And if anything else, we always talk about who wins the Fox primary. Uh, he may have taken a big step forward in winning the Fox primary. I mean, the the, the commentary that goes uh, with all the uh, commentators on Fox, but certainly Tucker Carlson is one of their most august and most controversial at the moment. But again, that certainly, I would think, would help him uh, in that point. Uh, Stephanie Hitt, uh, you now live inside. Now, you don't know, live inside the belt. Well, you live in Alexandria, well, Virginia. Not, yeah, you're yeah. pretty close. But anyway, <laughs> it's I'm, nice. I'm literally, like, I can see the beltway from my Okay, house. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, can. again, it's good you can do uh, do the program, continue to do the program. But let me ask you, uh, as the card-carrying Republican here tonight, uh, what's your reaction to what Ron DeSantis had to say? Well, you know, it, my reaction is actually stronger to the way people are interpreting it. And that is, um, you know, they're, you know, people are trying to say he's in, indistinguishable from Donald Trump. And I, I think that that's actually a mistake. I think if you, re, if you read carefully what he said, he really doesn't want to go into greater entanglements in Ukraine. So it doesn't mean he's going to be a complete isolationist either. Uh, let's dial back, you know, back in 2015 when he was in Congress, he was in full support of giving Ukraine what it needed to fend right. off any further incursions from Russia. I don't know that that position has changed or the way he sees the world or the I do not think in any way that he un, is is ignoring the threat that Russia still poses, not just to Ukraine. But had but he taken, Stephanie, Eastern had Trump. he taken a different position, would he completely right. have divorced himself from the likelihood of picking up Trump supporters? Because once I, he takes this position, yeah. uh, you know, you're describing it as a nuanced position with Trump. I don't think right. many Republicans would. Well, he's, he's definitely, I mean, DeSantis has made a very nuanced position he also recognizes that should he, first of all, things are going to change dramatically over the next year or so in Ukraine. It, I think he's trying to build himself a little flexibility in what his official final response would be. The other thing is that if he is, you know, if he does inherit a war uh, with Russia or further involvement in Ukraine, he's going to have to see it through. So, okay, I want to go. I want to go over to Phil Beverly to get our Democrat response. Phil, I know uh, you you you're chomping at the bit to talk about problems in the Republican primary, but your reaction to what Governor DeSantis said and politically does it is it going to make any difference anywhere? We're not hearing your microphone, Phil. You got to turn your microphone. Okay, there you go. Are you still there? Yes, I don't think it'll make much difference um, because he's going after the the Republican primary voters who tend to uh, lean in that sort of isolationist bent. Um, should he be elected president, I, I think he'll learn like all presidents have learned that the job first job is foreign policy and that it's not easy to get out of things that we've been involved in. Quite frankly, I don't know that he has the the personal leadership to sort of keep coalitions together or build coalitions. His foreign policy experience uh, on the whole is fairly weak. And if he were running against um, our favorite 80-year-old president, that 80-year-old president trumps him, no pun intended, every time in terms of foreign policy experience. Joe Biden's just got 
leaps and bounds more experience and more in terms of relationships with with leaders in on the international stage well he has more he has more experience i think i would grant him more experience but the question is based on the experience that he has demonstrated has it been the right decision i mean in afghanistan was was all of his expertise was that a plus or a minus we've got a break and we'll be back 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border where do you weigh in on the u.s role continuing to support ukraine are you for it or are you against it yes or no i'm bruce dumont back shortly At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. If you talk to me, we'll hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. 
Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway and a follow-up question to Tom Bevan of Real Clear Politics. Tom, the fact that we now have Trump and DeSantis basically uh, s- saying the same things in, in, in maybe slightly different ways, but basically coming off as, uh, as isolationists, does this present a, a big opening for a Nikki Haley or a Mike Pompeo or others, uh, including the vice president of the United States, uh, uh, the former vice president, uh, to, uh, to really make this issue a front and center issue where you may have, you may have three candidates on one side of the issue and uh, Donald Trump and DeSantis on the other? Uh, again, I don't really see that as uh, that's not where the party is right now. I mean, the data is pretty clear on this. If you believe the polling, uh, the Republican Party thinks that that the United States is already doing too much. There is resistance among Republican rank and file voters for giving sort of a blank check, open ended, you know, endless war, uh, you know, in Ukraine. And and so, you know, anybody who's advocating for that position in Republican primary, you know, are they going to get 10 percent, 20 percent? Maybe. But I, and certainly I don't think making it the primary platform plank of their rationale for running for president is going to do them any favors either because the party's more focused on on other things domestically that uh, I think are more important to them, including immigration um, and a bunch of other issues before mm-hmm. it comes down to Ukraine. So I don't see it happening. Um, it's certainly, you know, there's a certain slice of, again, establishment type Republicans that uh, want to see someone like, you know, and will support Nikki Haley or Mike Pompeo or someone who who takes that position. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure how far it's going to get them in actual when the votes are being cast. Phil Beverly, if we go to a, a general election and the Republican nominee is an isolationist, what opportunity does this offer for uh, President Biden or anyone in that position running uh, in 2024? Um where, where does the anti-war wing of your party go uh, if that happens? Well, I, I think the anti-war wing is fairly small. And quiet, and very quiet. For, and really quiet because the support for Ukraine is is really important. I think most people in, in my party are actually aware that the Russians are not our friends. They never have been our friends, and we have to do everything we can to counter that aggression because we're not just countering Russian aggression. Believe me, the Chinese are watching very carefully to see how how this coalition that's supporting Ukraine responds and holds together because I can tell you they're planning their move on Taiwan. That's, that's just sort of a given. Our military knows that because we've been – shape-shifting, at least the Marine Corps, got mm-hmm. rid of all its tanks because they believe they're going to be fighting a different kind of war against the Chinese in, in mm-hmm. the next five to ten years. So this this thing with Ukraine is bigger than just, oh, uh, it's this isolated territorial dispute and that. This is larger geopolitics. And I really invite my friends who are not establishment Republicans on the right to broaden their horizons a little bit. As Stephanie, a question to you. Uh, for those establishment Republicans who are internationalists, uh, if we get to a general election campaign where the Republican nominee is either Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, with their positions already taken on, on this issue, uh, does, does it make a lot of uh, traditional Republicans 
Joe Biden voters or voters for a Democratic position and candidate who's going to be an internationalist, not an isolationist? Well, you know, that's a tough question to answer because there are going to be a lot of other factors that are going to be on the table that people will start having to prioritize, like Such as. what's going to be the state, what's going to be the state of our economy at that point, and who's going to be better equipped to to manage what could be a crumbling economy. There could be, you know, things on the ground. We, you know, we we will have we will see where China is by that time, and what we have to do in terms of, um, you know, staving off China. I think what right now there are enough centrist or more moderate Republicans that are still willing to stand behind maybe a Ron DeSantis, but not a Donald Trump. Because again, I, I, I do believe that Ron DeSantis's isolationist answer is still more nuanced and has room for that flexibility. And the fact that, you know, we, we have seen a very strong pro-military DeSantis, a very strong pro-Ukraine DeSantis in the past. Tom, question to you. Uh, it was sort of proposed today by uh, by Chris Christie on ABC, uh, in which you suggested that, you know, Ron DeSantis really hasn't been tested like a lot of people. I mean, he may have a glass jaw. That's Those are my words. Those are not Governor Christie's words. But again, uh, all the biographical things that's out there is that he, he's not a warm, fuzzy guy. He doesn't, he's not skilled at sort of the, the political, social things that are mandatory with a successful politician. Now, in your view and in your reporting, I mean, uh, how much of that concern for Ron Santos, the personality, is real and how much of it is just fed by either opposition candidates to him or the <laughs> national news media? Primarily the national news. The, the big news apparently is that he eats pudding with his fingers. That, yeah. that was a story that was in the Daily Beast going around. I mean, listen, uh, we'll find out. I mean, DeSantis, has he gotten the sort of scrutiny he will get at the presidential level? No. But he, as, as one of the leading governors who was relentlessly attacked during COVID by the media, by Democrats, um, he's gotten way more exposure, way more scrutiny than than a lot of other people who have ever run for president. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in that sense, I think he he has been tested. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, you, 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 the proof is really to make you know to use the pun <laughs> in the pudding. I mean, you, in the pudding. You, the, the list of of Republican candidates, in particular, but also Democrats who who look great on paper: uh, Scott Walker, Tim Pawlenty, uh, you know. Chris Christie, Jeb Bush, uh, Chris Christie, Fred Thompson. I mean, it goes on and on, right? These guys, Rudy Giuliani, he was the national front runner. He gets to Iowa and he just can't make the connection. Um, so I think DeSantis is going to have to prove his worth on the campaign trail if and when he decides does, to run. Does DeSantis? And, and he'll either he'll either make a connection with Republican voters based on his his policies, uh, you know, and how he espouses them, or he won't. Well, one of those primary states he's going to have to make his way through is Florida. Who wins the Florida primary between DeSantis and Trump? If the people in Florida love DeSantis, maybe they want to keep him as governor. Uh, look, it's it's so far away, it's hard to say. I mean, I think he's ahead in the latest polls in, in Florida. But it's, you know, is it going to be a head-to-head race at that point? Are there going to be other Republican candidates in there? How are they going to finish in the primary states ahead of that, which will give one of them momentum and shift the race? So a lot of... Lot of uh, you know, factors to be determined before they get to the state mm-hmm. of, of Florida. 
And Phil, are you happy with the with the redesign of the Democratic primary uh, schedule, moving uh, states forward that uh, uh, leapfrogging New Hampshire and uh, Iowa? Not particularly, Bruce. I, I've always been in, uh, sort of in favor of a regional primary system that rotates through every presidential cycle. So you would have all of the Northeast, you know, at, mm -hmm. at one time, say 24, and then in 28, you start with all of the Midwest, and then 32. Professor, that's with, all too realistic. Yeah. You were describing, and uh, we would all agree with that, that that sounds good on paper. It sounds good in a classroom. But Democrats, I mean, you know, the president of the United States, he wants South Carolina there. South Carolina was good to him. Black voters have been good to him. Um, and, can he not find good black voters be, elsewhere? They, they probably, not in, not in New Hampshire that he won't. No. <laughs> just, let's, let's, <laughs> just look at the demographics. Oh. Um, but I, 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 I think it's really cynical that, that we, we go to this identity politics that early in the cycle instead of trying to find the, the mix of, of what's most representative of the country and go with that at the beginning of the cycle. Well, what does it say about your president? When I say your president, I mean your Democratic president, Joe Biden. Uh, I don't think he was your, your favorite along the way but uh, what does it say when uh, when he, he wants to you know play that that card with south carolina because he's yeah, popular it, there and it, blacks it, will support him it reminds me of how um sort of cynical and it, that politicians are no and that it, it reminds me that <laughs> joe biden is a professional politician yes he's never had another job so that's how I expect them to behave. Is, is well, what, what are they afraid of? Nah. Yeah. What, what are they afraid of? I mean, Buttigieg won in Iowa and did not get the nomination, didn't even come close. So what's wrong with having Iowa first? And right now, as far as we know, there seems to be nobody stepping up to challenge Biden. So why is why is anyone afraid? Why does it have to matter? Well, Linda Williamson is, uh, she's challenging him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mary Ann Williamson. Mary Ann Williamson. I'm sorry. I, uh, she yeah, might get Iowa. Well, she might hmm. get Iowa. Okay. <laughs> or probably not. Yeah. Uh, do you expect any more twists and turns in this schedule, or is it pretty much uh, locked in now, Tom? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, it seems like the, the, the big moves were made. But, you know, we'll see what happens from here on out. It looks like the Republicans are going to sort of stick to their their normal schedule, which is going to be interesting because you won't have, you know, the, the usually the states like to have them the contest at the same time for a variety of reasons. So it's going to it's going to be an interesting dynamic yeah. this cycle around. And then, you know, how yeah. the how the party tries to perhaps punish people who are moving around sure. is, an, is another. Right. And also, I mean, in, in New Hampshire, if Sununu decides to throw his hat into the ring, it really uh, sort of diminishes the New Hampshire as a as a uh, as an open seat because I think Sununu would uh, Sununu would do very well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? 
No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, (laughs) tell me what to do. Cannonball! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. From Elk Grove Village, Illinois, just outside Chicago, where our river, our Chicago River, is finally turning back to its uh, normal, ugly brown color after being uh, dyed green for several days. But uh, this is Bruce Dumont, and our guests this evening are Philip Beverly and Stephanie Hitt and Tom Bevan. We're going to take a moment to let each of them uh, give us a short introduction of who they are. Stephanie Hitt, we start with you. I am a uh, political strategist. Um, I was earlier living in Evanston, Illinois, as one of the very few Republicans, but being active, I ran um, a campaign for our U.S. Senate, our Republican U.S. Senate candidate in Illinois over the last year, and now I am relocated to Alexandria, Virginia. Okay, nice to have you with us. Phil Beverly, a little bit about yourself. I'm a retired political science professor, taught at uh, 
both Chicago State University and I retired at the University of Illinois Chicago, um, enjoying retirement and looking forward to whatever's coming next. Very good. Well, I hope you do enjoy retirement because I hate it. Tom Bevan joins us. Tell Tom, give us a little background. Uh, give us a little background on yourself and also how you started Real Clear Politics. Because it really is. It's the best thing that's out there uh, on the internet for people that love politics. Balanced politics. You can get liberal, conservative perspectives. I mean, it, it's extremely well done. It's been extremely well done since the beginning. Uh, other news organizations now reference this with some regularity. But where did the idea come from and uh, uh, who was all involved? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, yeah, we started Real Clear Politics 23 years ago now. It's been hard to believe it's, it was that long ago. But uh, myself and, and the co-founder, John McIntyre, we were classmates at Princeton. We lived together in Chicago after school. He was a trader. Uh, down at the SIBO. Uh, I was in advertising at Leo Burnett. We were living together, but we had this shared passion for politics. We we're just sort of political junkies. We'd watch the Sunday shows and, and read the op-ed pages. And so in the late 90s, we kind of had this I idea. And our aha moment was uh, when we realized you could read what was being written in the LA Times and the New York Times on the same day by virtue of the internet. And so why not create a space for political junkies like us and bring all of this great information together from the left, from the right, from the center on the issues of the day, not just not just elections, but also politics and policy. And so that's how, that's how we came up with Real Clear Politics. And it became, you know, this sort of clearinghouse for news and information about politics and elections. And obviously we created the, the Real Clear Politics poll average, which is how a lot of people have come to come to know us uh, mm -hmm. over time. And um, yeah, it's been a great run and we're still chugging along here 23 years later and <laughs> politics has just gotten more and more crazy. Yes, look it back is. At those early days, it's hard to believe. I mean, it, we started doing, during the 2000 election, but that seems like a, seems like a quaint time uh, compared to how things are going now. <laughs> now, how do you go about, I mean, you, you aggregate uh, comments and, and, and political opinion pieces and editorials from all over the country. How do you go about doing that? Is that a is that a, meta, a, a, a mechanical device or a digital device, or is there a real person that's reading and searching for yeah. this stuff? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that we we are algorithm based, and we're not. We do it yeah. the old fashioned way. In that sense, we're oh. very old fashioned. We have we have live human beings uh, who get up and and read through uh, all of the various publications uh, across the country, and and again try and find the the best arguments from the left and the right and you know whoever's uh the the best writers and and put them right next to each other and so i mean i still do it myself a couple mm -hmm. days a week i get up and, and put together the front page and i always tell people it's like it's like making a stew every day right you yeah. got to have just the right amount of spices and salts and mm -hmm. and ingredients um and uh you know for me it's not really work it's what i love to do and and yeah. um We've got a team that, that does this basically now. Nowadays, it's it's twenty four seven. I mean, it just yeah. never stops. So yeah. Well, I think the key thing is is the objectivity and 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 the neutrality that you demonstrate. Uh, you know, I think people who you know may know you may know your politics, but it doesn't come across in the product. So anyway, again, nice to have you with us. I gave you a little extra uh, plug here tonight at the top of the show. Also, uh, he's a frequent commentator uh, analyst over at Fox News, which you see with some degree of regularity as well. Uh, we've gone almost halfway through this first hour, and we haven't talked about Donald Trump. Donald Trump has announced to the world through Truth Social that he is going to be arrested on Tuesday. 
Um, um, Stephanie, to you, what's your reaction? Yeah. <laughs> Is that good news or bad no. news politically? You know, let me let me just share a little story because I have, uh, um, you know, I have a my husband. You know, he we like to bounce the ideas back and forth, yes. and uh, he's like, "Why are the Republicans being stupid? Let them get arrested so DeSantis can take the nomination." I mean, there is that kind of thing, but I think, you know, I think the the issue, and a lot of people feel strongly. Yes, there's no doubt that no one is above the law. But we've seen over the last many years that, in fact, some politicians are above the law. I mean, James Comey even announced it about Hillary Clinton. And what we are seeing is, in fact, a unbelievable stretch by the Manhattan DA who has made it a goal to go after Donald Trump. Um, you know, we what we see is a possibility. Now, I know and I want to be fair on this. The Manhattan DA's office has not responded. They have not confirmed that, in fact, there right. is an indictment pending or whatever. And we need to be very careful about that because um, this may be a joke. You know, Trump may be just using it. Nothing. It may right. be a lot about. I want to go to Phil. I want to get. Our I want to get Phil's reaction. Phil, are you uh, are you excited about this arrest? You've not been a fan of Donald Trump's. No, not really. Um, I, I guess I'm. I'm more concerned about what is this going to cost us in terms of just the dollars and cents of having to now secure an arrest of this guy. And it's like, is that, is that worth it? Yeah. Nobody's above the law. And is this, is this worth it? Um, you know, you say that no, but you say, on. Phil, you say that nobody is above the law. But there are selective prosecutions mm -hmm. in this country every day at the federal level yeah. and at the state level and, and municipal level. People look at Evans and they just say, you know what, this guy, we're going we're gonna to pass on this. We're not going to push it. He may have broken the law, but you know what, we're just not going to work on it. Happens all the time. Why is, it this so, why is this so important to Alvin Bragg? You know, I... I, I I don't know why this one is important um, as opposed to the one in Georgia or the, the federal investigation or there's just so much here with this guy. Um, and, and shouldn't that tell us something that right, if this was the only investigation, I kind of go, eh, maybe it's a political thing, but this, this is just one of many, I'm going to get Tom's is, response. I'm, Tom? getting, I'm getting Trump prosecution fatigue here. Tom, you what know, about charge it? Charge the guy, move on or not. And you know what this guy? I, I, want, I, 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 want, to, I want to get Tom to get in there. But I'll get, come back to you, but I want to get Tom to weigh in before we have to go to a break. Tom, what about this uh, alleged arrest that's coming up Tuesday? Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, Bruce, which is, you know, if, if this wasn't Donald Trump, if this was someone else, I, I, would the Manhattan DA be bringing charges against this person, assuming he's going to do that? And the answer is no. Um, and I, I think it, it speaks to there's a two-tiered level, you know, uh, two-tiered levels of justice in this country. Um, and Donald Trump in particular, I mean, he plays the victim card brilliantly because the media allows him to do it. He has been persecuted um, you know, with the, the investigations and the impeachments and whatnot, this will be, this will actually 
work to his benefit if it happens. It'll galvanize people back to his side because Democrats and the media will overplay their hand once again, probably. Um, and so in that sense, it might be good for Donald Trump. It might not be great for the Republican Party, um, yeah. but we'll see. And, and again, there are other investigations out there, um, and this will allow him to, I think, say these other investigations are, are persecutions as well. It's all one. Is which this, is this investigation? Tom, is this investigation, however, and an arrest and an indictment, is this easier for the average voter to understand than the other two or three that may be out there? Maybe, but I, I don't know. I mean, when you actually, there's a lot of discussion about whether he's going to be indicted. And not, there's very little discussion about the the specifics of this and why right. it's such an overreach by the prosecution. We ran a piece by Jonathan Turley on the site this morning. Uh, you know, talking about how he called the case legally pathetic. Uh, the fact, yeah. you know, there, there are many different aspects to this case which make it really, really problematic from a legal perspective. And I think the Democrats at, would be on more solid ground if he was indicted for one of these other things. And if he's indicted for this, right. again, I think it plays into his hand and allows him to sort of lump everything together and say, oh, well, all, of these, all of these prosecutions are just one big witch hunt. Can, can it help him, Stephanie? He he says well, he says that this may help him. It's, it's, He's already it's fundraising gal- of it. It's going to galvanize his base. But this is where I think I may differ from some Republicans, and that is, I think it may still repel some of the more moderates, the people that have been frustrated with Donald Trump, right. the people that are going to lean towards Ron DeSantis or others. And that is, here it is again. He's you know he's stoking a lot of flames right now with this. Um, and he is being very dramatic about it. And I think there are a lot of people in the Republican Party that are ready to embrace the policies but move on from the baggage. And right. even even if this is obviously a political thing, it's just that additional baggage that people just want to move away from. Okay. Can I just we'll say one thing real quick, Bruce? Five uh, seconds. Or well, let's, do the the let's do it on the other side. Let's do it on the other side of the break. 1-800-723-8029. Stand by your radios. Tom Bevan will respond more when we come back. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. 
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. In our second hour this evening, we'll be talking about the bombshells out of the uh, uh, banking industry, uh, including uh, out in Silicon Valley. Uh, Mike Miller will join us and also Eric Cohn, uh, who hosted this program for many months while I was on vacation. They will join us as well for that discussion, but we can continue to come back. And uh, uh, Philip Beverly, I want to ask you a question. Uh, not much has been made uh, you know, today, but again, if this is going to become the political hotbed of discussion in this country, whether Donald Trump should or should not have been indicted for those uh, alleged indiscretions with Stormy Daniels, uh, it's not going to take very long for uh, Donald Trump to try to, obviously we know, use that. He's trying to use it by suggesting that there be a huge protest, and all the Sunday morning folks were worried that there's going to be more violence because similar to uh, what transpired on, on January 6th, but I'm wondering whether there's going to be a racial element that may enter into this because Alvin Bragg, the New York prosecutor, is African-American and uh, uh, Donald Trump obviously is not. But uh, I'm wondering where you think that fits, if at all, in the, in the politics of this story as it plays forward. I think in some of the, the fringe elements of the, of the right, that'll be an issue but i think that that most people will just sort of see him as a you know democratic um prosecutor out to you know continue to persecute the you know the poor victim donald trump because you know he's just a victim because he's never really done anything wrong according to his narrative um 
so I, I don't think it'll be an issue except really on the on the fringe. Tom uh, Bevan, your response? Well, the thing I was going to say before break is, you know, uh, Philip said he was worried about the, the dollars and cents of this and whether it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that worries me about it outside of the politics is just the precedent that it sets and, and what it means for, you know, the continued sort of weaponization um, and criminalization of our politics. Because, you know, I, I know Democrats want to get Donald Trump and, and they want to see him, you know, fingerprinted and his mugshot oh, yeah. and they want to see him sent to jail. But, you know, they're not always going to be in power. There's going to be could be an, a Republican president, Republican Senate and and could be Republican prosecutors doing this to Democrats in short order. And that's just not good for it's it's not going to be pretty when the shoe's on the other foot. And it just, you know, gets us into this this vicious cycle, which uh, is leading us, in my opinion, down a, a very dangerous and dark path. Is there a potential for a racial element to this, given uh, that the prosecutor here is is black and Donald Trump is not? I mean, it's the in, challenges. In my... It's the challenges. You know, everyone's talking about the two-tier uh, justice system that we have in America. And again, we've all heard about it for the last 50 years. Does this give Donald Trump uh, an opportunity to to flip that card and play it uh, from a different perspective, or or is, that, is that so. too dam? Is that is that too damaging a conversation even to have? I I, I don't think so. I mean. Uh, look, I could see Donald Trump saying some nasty stuff about Alvin Bragg and the media will say, well, that's racist. You know, yeah. Donald Trump's being racist again, even yeah. though Donald Trump would say that about, you know, anybody, anybody <laughs> white, purple, you know, anybody Who who's, him, yeah. who's yeah. yeah, tries to indict him. So but I, I can certainly see that aspect of it playing out. Stephanie, to you. Right. Reaction. Well, you know, um, yeah, I think I think where it's really going to come out is, you know, the attacks on him will won't have anything to do with race. It's going to be the progressivism. It's going to be the George Soros backing. This is the kind of you know justicism that we got. It'll play into you know the weaponization of our justice system that's currently being, um, you know, it's now you know we have hearings about that right now. And the crime and rate in so New York. Right. And that if you're going to bring in the two tiered system, then it's going to be, you know, we've already we've already heard it. And that is all the criminals, the real criminals, people really hurt people who are being let out on a daily basis and making uh, New York an almost unwalkable city. And that, you know, drawing that attention is not going to help Alvin Bragg at all. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of likens back to something else, and that is something else that happened this week that we're not really going to talk about, and that's the shouting down of, uh, you know, free speech at some of our elite law schools. And that is, you know, what kind of justice system are we opening the doors for? What are we preparing our future lawyers, AGs, prosecutors for? Are we teaching everybody that it's all going to be based on politics? Because if this goes through and this isn't handled by a, a smart, accurate judge, then uh, we are going to see a bit of a a bit of a clown show. When you look at the charges that are uh, that are being discussed, this is an unbelievable, beyond legality kind of stretch. Trying to stretch the statute of limitations by adding charges that have never been reviewed before. Remember, it's out the payment to Stormy Daniels. That's not what the charges would be about. Those are legal, that that relationship, that payment was, you know, uh, is a legal contract. What is at issue is how it was handled. And 
how it was described by the Trump and whether documents were falsified for that. But he's um, not going to have his, so he's not going to have his stress. former lawyer on his side. Donald Trump is he not going to have his uh, Michael Cohen. He's not going to have his former uh, fixer on his side uh, if this goes to trial. Right, and, uh, and you know, Bruce, Trump I guess is, is going before the grand jury tomorrow to talk about Michael Cohen, and okay. that may change things dramatically okay. tomorrow. Uh, go ahead, uh, Phil. Last word to you. I guess, I guess the 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 thing that really interests me is this idea that somehow. Um, th these prosecutions don't happen. I mean, here in the state of Illinois, we've got the, the longest serving speaker of the House getting ready to go on trial. And I think anybody, yeah. Democrat or Republican, <laughs> in the state knows that, that Madigan probably needs to be on trial. Mm -hmm. I, I've said that before. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. And yet, the, where's the same outrage about, oh, well, Mike Madigan's being, being persecuted? William Jefferson got convicted in Louisiana. Kwame Brown in Detroit. Come on now. We we okay. do prosecute people who are corrupt. It happens. Yes. And you're right. It, on that on that note, I have to if say you want to be in the politics game, Donald Trump, there's the risk that you take. I Phil, thank you very much for being with us. Stephanie, thank you very much. Tom Bevin, always good to see you. Real founder of RealClearPolitics.com, commentator and analyst on Fox News. I'm Bruce Dumont. We'll be back to talk about the banking debacle last week. Don't go away. I'm Bruce Dumont from Chicago. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hurd-Garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one -on -one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, 
but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce back for hour number two of Beyond the Beltway. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, in this hour, we are joined by Eric Cohn. He is with the Acton Institute. He joins us from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And also for many weeks, he, he sat in for me while I was ill and away from microphones. And Eric, I've said it on the air, but now I want to say it uh, sort of face-to-face as we can. Thank you very much. You did a wonderful job. And and, and uh, I should say that something. All the people had nice things to say about uh, glad that I was back and my health was better. They all said, and I mean, literally just about every single email said that uh, that Eric Cohn and Jeannie uh, Dives did a wonderful job sitting in for me. So, again, I thank you very much for uh, making my life a little bit easier for about 15 weeks. And also joining us this evening is Mike Miller. He joins us from the island of Bahrain. He is an economist for DePaul University, and I'm pleased to announce that tonight, marks his 100th appearance on Beyond the Beltway. He was just a young man with lots of hair when this when he first began. Right, Mike? Are you there? Can Mike hear us? Mike, I don't know. Uh, Mike is not responding. So let's start with, with Eric. Eric, we're going to talk about uh, the banking uh, situation last week, but uh, I want to talk about what we did in the last hour, first of all, and then get uh, Mike's response as well because he's now joined us. Um, what was your reaction to the announcement, at least from Donald Trump, that he is announcing that he's going to get arrested Tuesday? Well, uh, we'll have to see if that's what actually happens. I think it is a, a political mistake by Alvin Bragg if he is going to go ahead with this. Um, this is, as uh, somebody said on one of the morning shows today, this is the kind of case that if it were John Smith, uh, it would not be a case that is being brought. Um, so I, I think the only two people that this is going to benefit are going to be Donald Trump and Alvin Bragg, and everybody else is going to be worse off for uh, this. Again, assuming that it happens, really all that we know at this point is what Donald Trump has uh, put out on Truth Social, uh, and the record for the veracity of the claims that he puts on Truth Social is pretty weak. So again, we'll see what happens on Tuesday, but uh, if, if what he's predicting does transpire, um, it's not good for the country, uh, it, but it's probably pretty good for both Alvin Bragg and Donald Trump. We discussed this in the last hour. Do you expect this maybe to become racial, given the fact that uh, Alvin B B uh, Bragg is black? Uh, is Donald Trump going to play that race card, or is it too dangerous for him to do so? 
Well, I, whether or not it would be dangerous for him to do so has never stopped Donald Trump before in engaging in that kind of behavior. So I, I don't claim to know if that's a tactic he's going to use. Uh, I think it'll just be more stuff about this being a witch hunt, about him being persecuted, about uh, you know him massaging his victim complex that he uh, kind of just wears uh, as, as the primary clothing in public life for Donald Trump. So I, I think that's what we're going to hear the most of. Mike Miller, your reaction and uh, the reaction of anybody that uh, you've run into in the island of Bahrain over this story over the last 24 hours. Oh, I think Eric has said it very well. Um, my my issue, I would add, is that the a couple people in New York, uh, the Attorney General, and I think Mr. Bragg himself, have essentially ran for office, saying they're going to get Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I could I can't imagine any other uh, situation where an AG or a, a prosecutor will will pick a citizen and say, well, I'm going to go after this citizen. I, I just think it's preposterous. And when I don't I don't know the law, I'm not a lawyer. So I try to read people that I respect and I respect Jonathan Turley. He's a liberal. I'm a conservative. And I think he essentially says that there's no case here. This is a preposterous action. And I think it, it could be to the advantage of Mr. Trump. Do you think that's possible, Eric? Advantage Trump on this, just the way he'll play it? Oh, Very I think it is. Uh, I think it's. Well, of course he is. Uh, I, I think it is certainly possible that this redounds to his uh, his benefit. I mean, look, he has managed to turn this persecution complex of his into uh, a lot of success over the last few years. It's one of the things he seems to enjoy most is whining about how everybody comes after him unfairly. Uh, so assuming that the rules of engagement are still what they have been for about the last seven years, yeah, it, it probably does help. I, I do start to wonder, though, at what point a lot of Republican primary voters are going to look at this kind of stuff. They're going to see Alvin Bragg going after Donald Trump. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be perk-walked, et cetera, et cetera. And the reaction is going to be less to rally behind him. I mean, he'll always have his base that will rally behind him no matter what, right? The people that if he shot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue, they would still be on his side. I think there are more people now, more Republican voters, primary voters who are looking at this and they are saying, do we really want to deal with this for another four or five years? And I think a lot of people are going to say no mm-hmm. to that and are going to want to move on. No, that's a, that's a very good point. And also, I think I, the, Democrats, the, the Democrats are going to get what they want, or at least one of the things they want. They're going to get that early next week. They're going to get a picture of a mugshot or maybe a fingerprinting or or whatever um, member of the the bailiff system in New York and sneak out with their iPhone. But there, there's going to be the pictures that will embarrass Donald Trump. And uh, that that may uh, that may be all they get out of this. But uh, uh, they're going to have lots to, to, to crow about. Well, Tom DeLay set the uh, the kind of frame for this, which is you, if you know you're going to get a mugshot taken, you yeah. go in there in the best suit that you own and you smile <laughs> for the camera and you don't make it look like a mugshot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good advice from Tom DeLay. Uh, yes. I mentioned generally <laughs> don't be taking advice from Tom DeLay, but, but in that this was case, a good piece, you can take that advice was a good piece of advice. That was a good piece of advice yeah. from Tom. Uh, I want to switch gears and talk about uh, what I promoted we're going to talk about in this hour, and that is the uh, all the, the brouhaha over the explosion, the bombshells uh, that came out of uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, Mike, we've got about a minute to go before we go to a break, but give us your, uh, your 60-second response to uh, uh, what happened last week in your view. Um, I think that the, the best summary I've heard yet was done by Larry Kudlow, 
and and he's made it clear and i think my reading of the situation is the same and that is we do not have a banking crisis we have a couple of banks that are in crisis and to try to keep from having the uh, crisis spread beyond just these couple of banks the federal reserve took some pretty drastic actions to declare what is called systemic risk and that systemic risk fear allowed them to protect all depositors and so forth Mm -hmm. So I think how the banks got into trouble is quite interesting, and we could talk about that after the after the break. We will. I want to get um, Eric's but, response as well. Yeah. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. Uh, that's the number, And but we're going to go to Eric right now to get a reaction, uh, Eric, uh, to, uh, to what Mike had to say. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good summary of what happened there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the alternative was, uh, it, considering that this wasn't the same kind of risky behavior that we talked about in 2008. They were holding treasury bills. And if we're going to start classifying holding treasury bills as really risky behavior, then I think we've really uh, gone off the deep end on, uh, on the stuff. What about to those who uh, are still concerned about deposits they have in the bank, other banks? Well, that uh, well, was, I, I think are they in danger, uh, Mike? No, that, that's the whole idea of declaring systemic risk. These banks were not large enough. They're not too big to fail, but they made them too big to fail because the fear was that the average person who I, – I didn't see this coming because I did not realize that Signature Bank and SVB had these – had these uh, withdrawal issues. That's what it came down to. Mm -hmm. And then when they tried to tap into their capital, they just they didn't have any money left. So uh, we'll talk about whether the I, regulators I, I, were yeah. asleep at the switch when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont, 1-800-723-8029 from Elk Grove, Illinois. This is Beyond the Beltway. I'm Bruce Dumont. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. If you're talking, they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. 
For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces. Just by giving her a bear hug, she masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with Beyond the Beltway. Mike Miller joins us uh, from uh, the island of Bahrain, where he teaches economics as a longtime member of the faculty of DePaul University. And Eric Cohn also joins us uh, from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mike, to you, um, what did the regulators miss in this particular case? Should this have been caught? Well, it, there's a, one of the problems, as Eric was saying, the, the banks were holding this these particular securities, these treasury bills and treasury bonds and so forth as the background, uh, the backup in case something would happen with, with re- deposits, if deposits were withdrawn. But the whole idea was that they were going to hold them to maturity so that when interest rates rise, the value of the bond falls, but these bonds would not have to fall in value because they are going to be held to maturity. The the deposit run or the, the people ran on the bank so dramatically that the bank had to do anything it could to find money to back it up. And when they went to sell these bonds, they had essentially not enough money to make up for it. So the regulators, if they missed anything, it's that this bank had a portfolio of loans and a portfolio of deposits, which made them maybe likely to to fail. Most of their uh, uh, loans were for um, uh, venture capital type things, and almost all their deposits were in one area. So they didn't have deposits from farmers and carpenters and and dry cleaners and so forth. They had all deposits from one group of people. Mm -hmm. And when those that group of people all of a sudden become spooked together, they began to withdraw huge quantities of money. And that's why I'm not convinced at all that this is a uh, a, uh, a banking-wide problem. This is this bank and Signature Bank, uh, both of them, which what was the one thing I found interesting is that, that this bank, uh, the SVB bank, uh, SVB, apparently did not have a risk manager for something like nine months. They didn't think it was important enough to have somebody who would say, oh my goodness, the Fed is dramatically raising interest rates. We better be careful of our holdings because they will be affected by these interest rate increases, their market value. And so nobody was, they were asleep at the switch and maybe the regulators should have recognized that. Eric, uh, how has the Biden administration reacted to this in your view? Have they made the right or wrong political decisions? 
I heard a good, uh, some good analysis from uh, Sarah Isger at the Dispatch that I, I don't know what any any president would have ended up essentially in the same place, which was to ensure uh, depositors beyond the two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar FDIC level. Um, so I, I've yet to hear something plausible for another scenario. So uh, various other uh, politicians may have taken a different way of getting to the same place, but I think they would have ended up largely in the same place. On the question of regulation, um, I find it extremely obnoxious to be listening to people like Elizabeth Warren right now, who much in the same way that after horrible mass shooting incidents, people in favor of gun control always bring up the same policy proposals that usually have almost nothing to do with the incident that yeah. just occurred. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what Elizabeth Warren is doing right now in terms of what kind of regulations uh, should allegedly be put into play here. And I think a good way for people to understand that this wasn't a regulatory problem after the last big financial crisis, what was the piece of legislation that was passed supposedly for the idea of preventing this kind of thing from ever happening again? Dodd-Frank. Dodd -Frank. Who served on the board of Signature Bank, one of the two banks we're talking Barney about? Frank. Barney Frank. So I, I don't want to hear any more from the Elizabeth Warren types about how this uh, incident proves everything they were saying all along when it has almost nothing to do with the kind of arguments that they were making. They are just using something to try to uh, bang on about the same things they're always talking about. I, I, I agree with Mike's analysis. I don't think this has much to do with the regulatory sector. What What is the reaction, the trickle-down reaction to smaller banks as a result of what happened last week? Mike? Well, that's what they're trying to avoid. They're trying to assure Americans that they don't have to run to their small banks to uh, protect, to get their money out before the bank goes under. Because, you know, we have, we have essentially two classes of banks. We have the very, very large banks, which mm -hmm. are what we call too big to fail. And they will always be protected, as will all their depositors. Because if they go under, the whole system goes under. But if it's a small bank like SVB and Signature, historically, these two banks were not large enough to protect so I know there's a lot of people saying this was not a bailout of SVB or the depositors. It was a bailout of Silicon Valley. Okay, that may be the case. But if that's what you have to do to keep this from creating what is called a contagion, which will go from bank to bank to bank and will get the attention of people who would normally it wouldn't get their attention at all. The idea of declaring this a systemic risk, which I believe was the right thing for the Fed to do in the FDIC, and that they did the right thing, even though, I'm, you know, I normally people take risks. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. The market should decide who the winners and losers are. But this is a case where, where we, it, we don't want to have a situation like uh, Milton Friedman always said, what happened in the Great Depression was there was this bank in Yonkers that went under. And had that bank been protected after its collapse, much of the Great Depression may not have occurred because they didn't act in relation to the systemic risk of a of a bank taking the rest of the system mm -hmm. down. And so I think this was the right. Now, what will happen? There will probably be some more banks which have exactly the same problem. And this also may affect the Fed's decision on interest rates, because what the Fed has recognized is that they have raised interest rates so dramatically that people who do hold these kinds of bonds, as, as I mentioned to you, it's, it's a mathematical certainty. As interest rates rise, your bond portfolio of existing bonds, its value drops. So the, the, the uh, bonds which are being held by these banks as, in a sense, uh, capital and so forth, they're going down in value. 
does this and the Fed has to recognize it's having that effect. Does this become a political issue in 2024, or is this uh, so far out of the top 20 that that voters or politicians don't need to address it, uh, Eric? I would be really surprised if we're still talking about this in in a few months. I, I think Mike's analysis again is, is sounds spot on to me. And if they have succeeded in preventing what everybody was afraid of, which is a run on other banks, uh, then you know there, there'll still be some uh, you know clatter from particularly Republicans about the point that Mike made, which was that you're bailing out Silicon Valley here. But you know, again, Silicon Valley Bank was kind of a weird case, right? So it's not like people like you or uh, uh, or uh, me or uh, the listeners in the audience who may bank at Bank of America or Chase, and we're insured up to $250,000. These were Silicon Valley firms that had, in, case, in some cases, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars deposited with this bank. Now, it's a perfectly reasonable question if they should have been holding some other kind of insurance on the money that they had deposited there. Mm -hmm. But to I have yet to hear the compelling argument that this the FDIC thing really should apply in the same way that to an average citizen versus a tech firm that had $250 million deposited there. Mm -hmm. Mike, if you are yeah, anybody out there listening to the program this evening, if you want to start a bank in America, what do you have to provide? And who do you provide oh, it you to? Well, you, you have to get a charter, and you can either go with a national uh, charter or whatever, uh, savings and loan. Uh, and then you've got to get together some capital because in, <clears throat> excuse me, in any banking situation, uh, one of the things that came out of 2008 is that we found a lot of cases where the people who owned the banks didn't have any, as they say, skin in the game. So what banks across the world began to do was raise the amount of capital required. So the first thing you'd have to do to get this bank started would be to come up with a whole bunch of money which if this new bank that you're creating goes under, you can, I mean, it starts having some bad loans. You can cover these bad loans by using, by drawing upon the capital of mm -hmm. the owners. The first piece and the first group that are hurt are the owners of the bank. It's not the taxpayers. It's not the FDIC. So it's like any other business. You'd have to create a charter. You'd have to say, so I'm going to open my bank and I'm going to accept deposits from all people. I'm going to give loans to all people. I'm going to give some mortgages. I'm, I'm going to have a diversified portfolio of of assets, which be different kinds of loans. And, and I'll take but heavily these, regulated. Uh, deposits. More, more regulated yeah. than any other uh, anybody else starting uh, another organization or company? Sure. Well, they're very regulated in part because you're dealing with lots and lots of money. Right. Historically, people who deal with all kinds of money like this and bankers have been notoriously corrupt. And so here's the one thing that one good thing did come out of, you know, with uh, Elizabeth Warren and so forth out of the 2008 crisis was this thing called a stress test where they would take the biggest banks that could take down the system, the two big to fail banks. And they, they, they created a, almost like a computer simulation and asked the question, if the American economy were go to go into the, into the tank and, and all of a sudden everything started going bad again and mortgages started going bad, would these banks have sufficient amount of capital to draw upon to get through the rough time and survive? And the banks had to pass this or they were then told, okay, now you have to do something to your portfolio. The, the reason I saw this as a complete surprise is because the stress test answers have all been the banks of the United States are solid. So when I saw this this bank was going under, I said, it, it's got to be something unique, which, of course, it was a unique deposit base, a unique loan base, 
and some uniquely bad decision making in terms of risk management. And you bring these things all together. And the people with those, like Eric's saying, if I have 10, 20, 50 million dollars in a bank and I get any inkling that that bank's in trouble, I'm taking my money out in three seconds. I'm going and getting it all mm -hmm. out. And that's what happened. Yeah. And when the bank tried to tap into its capital, it capital had been, you know, you market to market, market's value to market. And all of a sudden, these bonds are not worth what they were. And the bank's uh, the bank is uh, insolvent. And, but it's it, it, it's a it's a unique situation in my mind. It's not Eric, a system wide problem. Eric is chomping at the bit to get in to offer his assessment on this. But we have to call. We have to break right now. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty. And when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion for a while. But I also I want to dip back into the conversation we had earlier in the broadcast. Uh, about isolationism versus internationalism as it plays out in the Republican primary and also a little bit more about uh, uh, Ron DeSantis and what he had to say about uh, the, the dispute uh, that exists in the world. Not a war, a dispute. Back shortly. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. I mean, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening. And they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, 
but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with our last half hour of Beyond the Beltway. Eric Cohen is with us. He joins us from uh, beautiful Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, Eric, take a moment to tell everybody uh, a little bit about your background, a little bit about your uh, activities with Acton Institute. I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications at the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty, which is based uh, here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, our work connects good intentions with sound economics. Uh, I'm also the producer of a documentary film uh, that will be released uh, on YouTube and on our film's website. Uh, the film is called The Hong Konger, Jimmy Lai's Extraordinary Struggle for Freedom, uh, the story of uh, Jimmy Lai, who is a Hong Kong businessman and newspaper publisher uh, who is currently imprisoned by uh, the Chinese on some truly ridiculous charges. Uh, I encourage people to check that out at freejimmylai.com, and the film will premiere there for everyone to watch on April 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Yep. It is a great film. I have seen it uh, on the big screen. And again, it, it's a it's a remarkable picture. And Eric, your your participation in it uh, is to be congratulated. Mike Miller, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the discussion this evening that this is your 100th appearance on this program. It it's is. It's nice to know you're and keeping track. I still track. remember the first time. Who was yeah, that? I, I do for work. But, uh, yeah, I still remember the first time. And I said to myself, if I never get to go back on the show again, it was an honor to be on the show. Well, who was, who was the guest? Well, I, who was the guest? You I remember? It was you. And I, I mean, obviously. But yeah. I don't remember who I was on with. Um, but I called I, you I up and just introduced not, myself, and that was it, or a producer? Yeah, your producer did. And okay. said, uh, I heard, because I've, I've done a bunch of Chicago tonight, and, and I, yeah. I currently do a fair amount with WGN Radio. Right. Uh, so I... I was on Chicago tonight, and somebody says, I, I hear you can talk about the economy pretty well you can. when I come on with Bruce. And, and I, the thing was, I was a, I was a fan before I was a, 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 a guest, Aww. and I remain a fan. So I always <laughs> listen, even though when I'm not on. And I'm not trying to butter you up. I That's just, great. I, I, he listens yeah, even I mean, when I, he's I, not I, on. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I remember people like Joe Morris and, and uh, uh, Art Seer oh, yeah, and we, Charles. And Charles so Lipson, yep. These are the people that said, oh, I said, these are very intelligent people yep. having well, very intelligent talk. And, well, you've and done so even, I would listen. For anyone that's listened this evening to try to understand the complexity of what happened in Silicon Valley, I think they will understand, as I see uh, uh, Eric nodding a bit as well, uh, this has been a course. I mean, you know, if you went to DePaul, they would charge you for this. But you get it for free on Beyond the Beltway, <laughs> and uh, you did a nice job explaining it. Now, I want to kind of expand the discussion now because I'm going to go back uh, to you. I'm going to start with you, Eric. Um, the, the discussion between uh, Ron DeSantis' comments last night uh, referring to uh, a territorial uh, uh, dispute, uh, I dispute. believe he said. Thank yes. you very much. I lost the words there. A territorial dispute 
uh, involving uh, the Russia-Ukraine uh, situation. Uh, a lot of people were shocked by his statement. They think that it may be a, you know, a, a political mistake that he's made by coming out as an interventionist or as an uh, as a, uh, uh, isolationist like Donald Trump. And I'm wondering where you come down on it. I uh, heard a good analogy that to call what is going on between Russia and Ukraine a territorial dispute is to call something going on between a bank and a bank robber a financial dispute. Uh, it, it is not an accurate summation of the situation and the circumstances over there. But Ron DeSantis is, uh, of course, going to run for president. He is playing a political game where the problem is not that the GOP base, and there's polling that backs this up, the GOP base has not, um, is not in the same place as Donald Trump is or a lot of other people who, uh, in addition to just being skeptical about Ukraine, uh, in many cases are openly pro-Russia. Mm -hmm. And the person that Ron DeSantis was responding to, the questions came from Tucker Carlson, who has said openly he is on Russia's side in mm -hmm. all of this. Right. So I think the foolish thing from Ron DeSantis was bothering to respond to Tucker Carlson in the first place. Because while Tucker Carlson has a few million people who watch him on Fox News, um, there are 335 million people in this country and not a lot of them care what Tucker Carlson thinks right. about anything, if they can even believe anything Tucker Carlson says, because as we learned over the last few weeks, he seems to be lying to his audience on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. So on, on one hand, uh, my libertarian instincts kick in and I don't want to get, uh, you know, to start deploying troops in Ukraine. Um, however, I don't have a problem with supporting a nation that is being invaded by a hostile force that is also a geopolitical enemy of the United States. And I think the failure of certain Republican politicians on this issue is embarrassing. Mike Miller. Hmm. Well, from the beginning, uh, I have I have not changed my view at all. Uh, I wouldn't use the expression territorial dispute. This is clearly a war. And clearly, Russia is the aggressor, and Russia in this in this war has been evil, just downright evil. But to me, I want to get back to that place where you know we're we're not the policemen of the world, and I'm not exactly sure that the Ukrainian situation is something through which the United States has a a dramatic um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for Responsibility. that it matters that much to us. Yeah, and that, you know who this really belongs to? This belongs to Europe. Europe should be the one that is carrying most of the water for this particular situation. I, I guess some support, but, you know, Ukraine is not exactly a free country. It, it's a corrupt country. Um, they, they, if I'm not mistaken, I think that they kind of have outlawed the other, the other political party. Mm -hmm. They've done some things in Ukraine that are not exactly what we would call Western democracies. So I... I support Ukraine. I think Russia is evil. It's just a continuation of the crap they did for all the years under the evil empire of the Soviet Union. But the, to me, this is a European issue, and Europe should be the ones that are, that mm -hmm. are um, the, the most active in supporting yeah. Ukraine and making it clear to Putin that this can't stand. Back to you, uh, Eric, though. Uh, this appeals to be obviously uh, uh, an olive branch to, uh, to Tucker Carlson who I agree with you uh, in a Republican primary is a, is a small voice, but he's a very powerful voice within select members of the Republican Party or Republican primary voters. And frankly, you know, every year people talk about, well, who's going to win, you know, the Fox 
primary amongst all their on-air talent. Uh, who are they going to give the edge to? And it seems to me that uh, that he bought probably a free ride from Tucker Carlson the rest of the way. And he's going to, and he's, although I don't know how he hammers Donald Trump, because he's not a big fan of Donald Trump. I don't know how he hammers Donald Trump. It's going to be on the personal stuff, on the on the indictments, and all the other things that you can hammer Donald Trump on. But uh, uh, Donald Trump and and uh, DeSantis appear to be singing from the same songbook on this particular foreign policy issue. I I think the theory that Ron DeSantis is operating under is actually the opposite of what most political campaigns would normally do, which is you start to draw distinctions between yourself and the other candidate or candidates. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look back at 2016, there were plenty of people who tried to draw distinctions between themselves and Donald Trump, and it didn't particularly work very well. So I think DeSantis's theory that he's operating on here is that I am going to just kind of stay as close to Donald Trump on the uh, policy issues as I can can. Mm -hmm. And I think what DeSantis is going to hammer him on is all the things that Trump failed to actually do, I've done. Look at my record in Florida. Look at the things that I've accomplished in Florida. Look at the way I'm pushing back against woke corporations. Uh, You know, I was skeptical of lockdowns and we got Florida reopened uh, as soon as possible. And Donald Trump was the one calling for people to wear wear masks and and, and was uh, in favor of the lockdowns in the beginning. I think he is going to differentiate himself in some ways, but it's going to be on effectiveness, not necessarily on their policy platform. Is is uh, as part of this campaign exploring what the Trump presidency did and didn't do? Where does Anthony Fauci and the the, the handling of COVID fit into the discussion? Because all the people out there who hate Anthony Fauci, I mean, Donald Trump hired him and didn't fire him. He gave him the ongoing power and influence that he has. Does he wear the jacket for that at any point? I think Trump is very vulnerable on COVID stuff. I, people have memory hold a lot of the very beginning, but you're absolutely right, Bruce. You know, for the people uh, who detest Anthony Fauci to the extent that they express regularly that they do, Trump could have fired him at any moment. He could have gotten rid of a lot of the people that uh, dominated the early days of the pandemic in terms of the decisions that were made at any moment. And he didn't do that. So I, I think Trump is uniquely vulnerable on this issue. And I expect that DeSantis is going to hammer him on it as they start going after each other again once we have a formal campaign going which we really don't at the moment mike is there there uh, any go ahead mike you're going to make a point go ahead well i was just going to say that to me there are two anthony fauci's uh i was uh, i believed the cdc and i figured this guy was an expert and anthony fauci was Mm -hmm. sound and i began to change my mind when the great barrington declaration came out and it became attacked and all of a sudden it it was uh, not accepted as being an option. And I thought the Great Barrington Declaration was the most sensible thing that came out. And then it, then a kind of a second Fauci became Yeah, uh, well, Fauci obvious. denounced it. Fauci he, denounced it. Yeah, he denounced it. He, he said, of course, you don't have to wear a mask, which we know all the research up till that point, the peer-reviewed research showed that masks do nothing with the spread of viruses. And all of a sudden, then he has, oh, you should wear two masks or three masks. So to me, there were two Anthony Fauci's. Uh, I, I detest the, the, the one that we got to know. but to, Which was the media Trump darling. Would have said, he, he became the media yeah, darling. He was, he was on Meet the oh Press literally every single week 
for, for weeks. Right. And I, I think we're going to learn that he had all kinds of financial, he had his fingers financially in a lot of this and I, and it could have corrupted his view. That's the end. That's the end. The Fauci, we didn't know, and nor did Mr. Trump at the very beginning. So that's why he would stand there and he would nod his head as Fauci mm-hmm. would talk and, and Burks would talk. Yeah. And so did I. I thought yeah, well, I, I was. We didn't know any better. He was the, the expert. Shutdown. That's right. He was the expert. I, I was up for the two full weeks of shutdown. Then I was against it from that point on. And We've uh, got a pause. 1-800-723-8289 is the phone number. 1-800-723-8289. I'm Bruce Dumont from coast to coast and border to border. And now around the world at beyondthebeltway.com every Sunday night from Elk Grove Village, Illinois. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Matthew. Oh, oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
Bruce Dumont, we continue from beyond the Beltway in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, just outside Chicago. Nice to have you with us uh, this evening. Uh, for the next segment, I'm going to pretend that each of our guests is a United States senator. So, Senator Eric Cohn, <laughs> do you support the banning of TikTok to American users? No, I don't support the banning of it, but I think it is... Uh... So it, it is worth repeating over and over again that uh, having TikTok on your phone is delivering a whole lot of personal data over to the Chinese. Um, so I, I'm generally not in favor of banning things. Uh, I think people can make those decisions themselves. Uh, but I think people should be cognizant of the fact that it is not like installing Facebook. It is not like installing Twitter. Uh, it is markedly different. But Senator, how do I explain this to my 16-year-old daughter that I'm going to take her TikTok away? She's going to hate me forever or hate the rep or hate the party that takes it away from her. Welcome to parenting teenagers. Uh, <laughs> there are plenty of things that you do that are going to make teenagers hate you allegedly forever, and they don't. You have to do things in the good interest of your children that your children may not appreciate at the time, but hopefully come to later on. Um, so it is it is absolutely this is the reason why I my Senate colleague, Josh Hawley, uh, I find uh, particularly objectionable this bill that would establish a minimum age for people to even have social media accounts. That is the role of parents, Senator Hawley, not yours. Senator Mike Miller from the great state of Washington uh, on a foreign yeah. junket at the moment in Bahrain. But uh, <laughs> will, will you support will you support the banning of TikTok TikTok domestically? Well, you know, Bruce, I'm a conservative uh with some libertarian leanings. And in this is one of those cases where Eric and I are singing off the same sheet of music. Uh, it is, uh, but I, if you want to do something, I'll tell you what, when you turn the app on, they have to add something that says, you know, brought to you by the People's Republic of China, a communist nation or something like that. If you want to do that, I'm okay with that. Would uh, people care about people it? people have to make decisions. I, I don't know. I don't know if they care. Do you think they you know, care? My major concern. Do you, th do you no, think that I, I, the average person really cares that if they're on TikTok, whatever they're putting in there, whatever, whatever the Chinese are gleaning is going to the Chinese Communist Party? Do they care? Uh, I don't think they care all of that much. I think they, they should care. Um, but the, it is not the role of government to step in as a quasi-parent for people out there that if they're making bad decisions, we need to step in and ban things. Uh, so I, I, it's just not something that I'm going to support. But I, I hope more people care because they should care about uh, China. Going back to our foreign policy discussion from earlier, um, if Russia and Ukraine is not in America's strategic interest, things involving China are absolutely in America's strategic yeah. interest, and we should take those things very seriously. We have another issue that has just uh, passed muster, and it's now before the full Senate. And uh, Senator Cohn, we're going to go to you, uh, Eric Cohn, from the great state of Michigan. Um, should the United States provide military intervention in Mexico? No. Why not? Americans are dying because of fentanyl and everything else that's coming over that border. We sit here with one of the largest military operations in the world, and Americans are dying on the streets, Senator. How can you be so I casual? 
Yes, and they were dry, dying of different drugs prior to all of that. I think a more efficacious way of handling this problem is to end the war on drugs. It was a mistake when it was launched. It is an impossible one to win because, well, for one thing, you can't win wars on inanimate objects. Uh, and you can look at the example of other nations that have decriminalized a lot of harder drugs, and what they have seen is actually declines in their use. People will go for things like marijuana, uh, which are less potent and less dangerous than cocaine, fentanyl, heroin. Um, so I, I think the mistake is the war on drugs, and we are only continuing so, to enable those people by continuing to fight it. Senator Miller, how oh, do you feel you know, about Eric, troops uh, on the border? Troops on the border that uh, can go oh, across into Mexico in search no, of no. drug lords, cartels. No, you do not violate the, the, the border of another, another free country. But Americans are that. dying, Senator. Uh, they're dying I, of fentanyl. How do we find out why do we stop these that? drugs? How, so how you ag- find the te- this like, yeah. So you just agree like with, with president? The, uh, you agree media. with the president of Mexico, who basically says no. that Americans should look at their own be- backyard and find out why they're, oh, well, why yeah. the young people are so much in love with drugs. I mean, he basically was giving a conservative Republican position. Yeah. We talked about it last week. So you agree with him? Yeah, I agree with that. We should look inside and say, are we part of the problem? And it could be that we have people that are part of the problem. Just like with with TikTok, the issue we're seeing that it isn't TikTok in per, per se. To me, it, it's social media in general, and we're seeing that is having a major effect upon the the lifestyle and the and the psyche of young people, especially young women. And it's, for example, we see that that they believe now that a lot of this uh, transgender movement has it's it's predominantly among young women and young white women who are major users of social media. And it isn't that you then ban social media because it could be a very useful tool. You have to work with people on how to use it properly. And and that's what parents and so forth should be doing. Senator Cohn, do you agree with the president of Mexico? Do you think that really the American people should hold up a mirror because they are responsible for all the love affair that Americans have with drugs? To a certain extent, yes. In the same way, though, however, that the president of Mexico should look in a mirror about the way that he has allowed his country to become a narco state and to be dominated by these kinds of criminal cartels, that it is his responsibility to deal with, not the responsibility of the military of the United States. That's right. Here, here. Nobody wants the looks to us, so we have agreement. <laughs> yeah. I, how, about, how, about, I, how about daylight savings time forever? <laughs> Eric is a libertarian. Daylight yes, savings time forever. Absolutely. Okay, Mike. Absolutely. 100%. Well, if, if I have to pick on the hour, I would pick daylight savings. But I always thought the answer was to simply split the difference, move it a half an hour coming no. up in, in October, and then never move it again. <laughs> oh, no, no, the half hour. I would, would like to ar- I would like to file articles of impeachment against my colleague Senator Miller for that yeah. suggestion. <laughs> Our thanks this evening to Eric Cohn from the great state of Michigan, Mike Miller from the great state of Washington. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. Also. Our thanks to Fritz Coleman for their assistance in the production of this program. And again, a congratulations. Thank you, uh, Eric, for all your help when I was away uh, on medical leave. And again, Mike Miller, 100 appearances. Every one of them has been terrific. We hope to have you back for another 100. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago.
Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7 confidential support. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. If you're talking to me, we'll hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how, and we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, hey, hear you. you can do 